John Ziegler here, excited to announce that we have our first sponsor of the Individual One podcast. Now, as you'd probably expect, I do not do endorsements unless I actually use the product. And I just started using this one. It's Imbue CBD. If you're a golf fan like I am, and you've probably read about how CBD is all the rage with all sorts of respected people raving about the various positive physical aspects of CBD, especially among people like me who are, let's face it, starting to feel the impact of aging. Recently, I started trying multiple products from Imbue CBD, and I can already tell that, among other things, I am for sure sleeping more soundly. And my wife says she loves the Imbue CBD facial cream, although, to be honest, she doesn't need it. In case you haven't heard, CBD is the powerful extract from the hemp version of cannabis. And while it may offer many of the health benefits of marijuana, there's no high, it's legal, and doesn't require a prescription. The source I trust for CBD is Imbue CBD. This is a top-of-the-line product and classy in every way. Consequently, Imbue CBD is not inexpensive, but I got you a discount to explore all the many ways CBD might be able to help you. Go to ImbueCBD.com and get 25% off when you enter John Z. Again, enter John Z for 25% off at IMBUECBD.com. That's ImbueCBD.com. Promo code John Z. This is episode number 76 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi-weekly program which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective because, unfortunately, no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. Unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at individual one pod that's individual the number one pod obviously the big story over the last couple of days with regard to president trump is the fact that the democrats have finally introduced their articles of impeachment into the judiciary committee tonight this is wednesday here in california uh, the Judiciary Committee will start to debate those articles of impeachment. They are expected to be voted out in a fairly short order and that by next week, the entire House of Representatives will likely vote on two articles of impeachment of Donald Trump. Those two articles of impeachment apparently are going to be for abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Now, uh, as someone who has been very vocal about the fact that I believe that Democrats need to go broader here, that the main purpose of impeachment was to protect the precedents that are involved here and to protect future Congresses from being hamstrung in taking on a horrific chief executive, a president, in somewhere in the future where they might be able to use the Donald Trump president to protect themselves. I am exceedingly disappointed with where it looks like this is going. I'm not surprised. I've always figured that Nancy Pelosi did not really have her heart in impeaching Donald Trump. This has been very clear to most people. She's made it about as obvious as she possibly could. Uh, My good friend, Representative John Yarmouth, Democrat, who's the chairman of the Budget Committee and who's a Democrat and who's close to 
Nancy Pelosi has disagreed with me on this. He knows her far, far better than I do. But I'm just looking at the tea leaves. I'm just looking at what's in the public record. And this is certainly consistent with that. That this is a check-the-box impeachment. That this is really not going to do nearly what I had hoped that it would. At least from the standpoint of setting the record straight, protecting the precedent, protecting the future. Because the amount of impeachable offenses, the number of impeachable offenses, the magnitude of impeachable offenses that Donald Trump has clearly committed while in office and in the process of obtaining office that he will not be impeached for is staggering. I mean, it's it's really quite unbelievable. It's just flat out ridiculous. And it's obvious. And everybody knows it. And the Democratic leadership knows it. Now, why they have decided to do this I don't have a firm grasp on. I mean, the obvious explanation is that they realize this is going down in flames and that they just want to do this as quickly and as efficiently as possible, check the box, get it over with, and move on to the 2020 election. That they will be able to tell their Democratic base, hey, look, you wanted him impeached. We impeached him. It got out of the House of Representatives. Historically, he will always be referred to as an impeached president. There's nothing we could do about the fact that Republicans weren't joining us. And he was always going to be acquitted in the Senate because the threshold is too high, needing 67 votes. Republicans already have 53. There was almost no chance of ever getting to that number out of 100. I understand that politically, but I am still disappointed Uh, Because I believe that the idea that obstruction of justice is not an article of impeachment is just, frankly, absurd. You cannot be serious! I mean, Robert Mueller put forward an entire report after a multi-year investigation with at least 10 highly plausible incidents of obstruction of justice. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. And that, in my mind, was being very conservative. I have said many times that there are things that Mueller couldn't even have possibly known about yet that would fall under obstruction of justice. I will probably maintain till I die, and the evidence continues to mount even as we speak, that the most dramatic and the most impactful act of obstruction of justice that Donald Trump has taken while president was the firing of Jeff Sessions as his attorney general. This is something that Mueller could not have known when he was doing the report, because when he was doing the report, he did not have the evidence to prove that the only reason why Sessions was fired was to mute his own report. Sessions, of course, had recused himself from the Russian investigation. This angered Trump greatly. He was fired the day after the 2018 midterm elections. No one paid any damn attention to it because Democrats were celebrating over their big victory. And the reality is that Bill Barr, his replacement, has done everything that Donald Trump could have possibly dreamed of and more. He systematically cut the legs out from under Robert Mueller. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. And destroyed whatever impact the Mueller report was going to have by flat out lying about it. He lied about it. He's he, in a very strategic and frankly brilliant, if not also evil fashion, Bill Barr destroyed whatever impact the Mueller report was going to have, even if Mueller hadn't crapped the bed in his horrendous testimony. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but, he, but the reality is, we now know 
from Bill Barr's actions with regard to Mueller and Bill Barr's actions, which are ongoing with regard to this IG report and his destroying of his own Department of Justice Inspector General's report into the origins of the Russian investigation, that this guy is a obstructor of justice in and of himself. He is a human obstructor of justice. That is what he's doing under the guise of being an attorney general. And in order to get that done, Trump needed to fire Jeff Sessions. So I've said it before. I will probably say it again. But just to be clear, the president of the United States has the right to fire his own attorney general. However, much like with the FBI director, James Comey, when you do it for obviously the purpose, the primary purpose of abusing your own, well, first obstructing justice, it it becomes also an abuse of power. So to me, both those, those acts, the firing of Comey and the firing of Sessions, could have fallen under both those theoretical articles of impeachment. But there is no obstruction of justice. Instead, we have obstruction of Congress. Now, this, to me, is absurd. I mean, really. It's just flat out ridiculous. The idea that the American people are going to get so exercised over Trump obstructing Congress's ability to investigate it. Now, to be clear, it's wrong. It's probably impeachable theoretically. But I'm talking about in the real world. Is anybody really going to get all upset? to the point where they want to have Donald Trump removed from office as president of the United States because he refused to cooperate with probably the least popular institution in the American government, which is the United States Congress? I mean, really? You cannot be serious! This is not going to go anywhere. In fact, I don't even know 100%. I mean, I'm presuming that Nancy Pelosi isn't a complete moron and that she would not be introducing these two articles of impeachment if she was not very, very confident that they would eventually pass the full House of Representatives. I've always felt like you go the other direction. You put four or five out there, which gives people options. You, it gives your own people options. You could say back home, hey, look, uh, I impeached him on two or three articles, but I, I just didn't think two or three others passed muster. It gives, you know, gives the at least the semblance that you're being objective. You can make an argument that you're you're a fair referee. I call them like I see them. I voted yes on a couple. I voted no on a couple. Similarly, it would give Republicans. There might be a few retiring Republicans who theoretically could have said, "Well, you know what? Uh, a couple of these articles." aren't really necessarily proven or I don't believe that they're impeachable offenses, but this one here, I, I got to vote for it. Well, now you've taken that option off the table essentially, because now you only have two articles of impeachment and one of them, as I have already stated, I think is pretty uh, small potatoes obstruction of Congress. When those issues are still being dealt with in the courts, whether or not it was illegitimate for the the president to prevent his administration from from cooperating in this impeachment proceeding. Again, I am not defending what Trump did there. It is wrong. It is dangerous. It is a violation of the separation of powers uh, and, and equal co-branches concept. I get all that. But of all the things Trump could have been impeached for, obstruction of Congress being only one of two is absurd. And I think it's a mistake. And while I do not speak for my good friend, 
Congressman John Yarmouth. He and I have texted about this. I don't know what his public statements have been, but I'll just say this. Again, with that, we're making it clear I do not speak for him. It is my belief, based upon our communication, that he does not disagree with me on my assessment of this philosophy of going super narrow on impeachment being a mistake. Again, he can speak for himself. I'm sure he has, and he will. But And I'm hopeful we'll have him back on the program at some point to talk about this. But uh, I think this is unfortunate. I think it is a mistake. Uh, I think it is clear that they're closing up shop on impeachment. They want to get this thing done as fast as they can, get it done before the holidays on the House end. Uh, 2020 will start off with a show trial in the Senate that uh, will result in Trump's acquittal. He'll be able to declare victory. They want all that over as quickly as possible. It appears as if right now the Republican Senate is actually going to somewhat cooperate because they don't want to go down the path that Trump wants them to go down, which is to put on a full show trial to make this about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Adam Schiff and Democratic alleged corruption. That's what Trump wants. Trump wants to use it. Trump is always thinking offense, 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 which is part of his genius. I mean, that's part of why he's successful. With me, it's just works. You know, it's magic. Because he, he realizes that you never do defense. Offense is the best defense, even if it requires systematic pathological lying. And so he wants the impeachment trial to be an offensive maneuver. Apparently, Republicans aren't going for that. They also want this thing done as quickly as possible. And it's going to be basically a repeat, almost exactly, of what happened in 1998, 1999 with the impeachment of Bill Clinton, where the impeachment started off with all sorts of piss and vinegar. And then by the time it got to the Senate, it was dead on arrival. Even Republicans realized it was a loser at that point, and they took a dive. They all took a dive, and you know it ended up where they didn't even get a majority vote on either of the two articles of impeachment which passed the House of Representatives. Again, back to my theory about the, I, the mistake being only putting two articles. With Clinton, there were four articles that passed the Judiciary Committee into the House of Representatives. Two of those were rejected. And it got several, the two that passed got several Democratic votes. Well, they've just taken that option off the table here. And so, you know, you can make an argument that this is going to be even less successful than the impeachment of Bill Clinton, which was over far, far, far less significant matters with, frankly, less evidence because, as it turned out with regard to Clinton, and I was someone, I'm, I'm about one of, uh, I think now we're up to about 18 people in this country who were both in favor of Bill Clinton's removal and Donald Trump's removal. I say that somewhat facetiously, but everyone's such a damn hypocrite. I mean, he, most of the people defending Trump now, or not most, but several key members of the Congress were leading the charge against Clinton in 1998, 1999. I just, just the other day, in the Judiciary Committee hearings, James Sensenbrenner, a congressman from Wisconsin, who was a congressman from Wisconsin back in 1998, he was a House impeachment manager <clears throat> who was leading the charge against Bill Clinton. And here he has the audacity in 2019 to, without any irony whatsoever, invoke Joe McCarthy, who was from Wisconsin, as a reason 
to, to argue against Donald Trump's impeachment because somehow Democrats are engaged in McCarthyism here. Now, that would be absurd on its face. It would be hypocritical on its face. But the cherry on top of the absurd Sunday here is that Joe McCarthy's lawyer, Roy Cohn, was Donald Trump's mentor. I mean, you cannot make this up. You cannot be serious. But this is the level of hypocrisy we have going on here between the Clinton impeachment and the Trump impeachment. And it's going to be a very, very similar outcome. But in the Trump impeachment now, we're only going to have the two articles, abuse of power, which I agree with, but it's going to be limited essentially to the Ukrainian scandal. There's apparently some uh, allusion to the uh, to the Russian investigation. Frankly, they're they're they could not be more connected. One comes right out of the other. They're wrote both right out of the same playbook. The the call with Zelensky comes the day after the horrendous. Uh, Robert Mueller testimony ending effectively the Russian investigation. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. And yet, none, nothing about what Mueller specifically found is going to be in the articles of impeachment and even things that are related but came after, like, for instance, we now know, because we now know who Bill Barr really is, that the firing of Jess Sessions was the most impactful act of obstruction of justice in all of this. And so I'm, I'm disappointed. Unfortunately, I'm not surprised. And it's very clear to me where this is headed. I predicted all along this is where it's going to be headed. But it's even got, uh, it's a weaker sauce than even I had feared. And even Donald Trump knows this. Donald Trump has referred to the articles of impeachment as weak. I can almost hear him thinking to himself, my God, this is all they came up with after all the shit I did? I mean, this is this is what they're going to impeach me for. Correct. I mean, they're they're not going to impeach me for all the other stuff I did that was way worse than this. But Nancy Pelosi wants to be done with this. She wants to protect her majority in the House. And I think she's now afraid of it because, as I told you, was going to happen. Support for impeachment hit a wall. And it's now actually, if anything, probably going back in the other direction because Americans with short attention spans have already forgotten most of the details of this story. And I also told you right from the start, this was not a story that was going to have huge legs. Not from the standpoint of proving it. Democrats did prove it. There was absolutely a quid pro quo. It was absolutely beyond inappropriate, potentially illegal, clearly impeachable. But I'm talking about legs from the standpoint of keeping people engaged, outraging people. Being a a source of enough anger and passion where people might say, you know what, this is enough. Enough is enough. we got to get rid of this guy. He is a danger to our republic to keep him in office. This story doesn't have that. As I said immediately after the story broke, that he, when I wrote that he would survive, and I told you he would survive this, we don't even have an audio tape of the phone call. At least not one that's ever been public. And, And the... As Trump has used to his own advantage by lying about it and his sycophants have lied about it, this this is a, a heist, this is a burglary, if you will, that never came to fruition. So no one was, you know, no one that the American people can see right in front of their eyes was actually harmed in all of this. And it's all about a country, Ukraine, that most Americans can't even find on a damn map. Correct. So 
of all the things he could have been impeached for, and I predicted the moment he was elected, the Democrats would win the House of Representatives in 2018 and then impeach him in 2019, and then he would be acquitted in 2020 or early, uh, late uh, 2019. I don't know, remember exactly what I predicted on the timetable, but it was, it was something close to that. Uh, but of all the things he could have been impeached for, uh, this, is, this is really uh, about as weak as it gets. Uh, I mean, nothing about an, the violation of the Emoluments Clause, which he's been in violation of constantly since he took office. Nothing about campaign finance violations, suborning Michael Cohen's perjury. I mean, all these, these the list goes on and on and on. Nothing involved with this because that would get too complicated. That would get too involved. And that would uh, limit their ability to get this thing done as quickly and seamlessly as possible. Politically, I somewhat understand that because we now know 100 percent that he's not not going to be removed from office based upon the current factual record. That's not going to happen. Period. End of sentence. Um, But I'm someone who believes in principle. And I thought the whole reason for doing this was about preserving principle. That's how I convinced my friend Congressman Yarmouth to go from being against impeachment to being in favor of impeachment. I'm not sure this accomplishes that. And there are some people who even think some principles, some bad principles might be, underlined might be, I don't necessarily agree with this, but might actually be created. For instance, with regard to this obstruction of Congress uh, article of impeachment, there are some people who believe that once he is acquitted on that, that this may actually strengthen the president's ability to defy Congress in the future. Now, I don't buy that argument, but there's some smart people who are saying that. And <clears throat> so I'm concerned about uh, the, the backfire, not necessarily from a political standpoint, but from a legal and principled perspective. Now, the other thing that happened this week is that this IG report was finally released. This was a report that was done by the inspector general. This is part of Trump's own Department of Justice, a guy by the name of Horowitz. He, he, he does this report And the Trump fans have been touting this for, frankly, years, that this was going to prove that the whole uh, Russian investigation was a big hoax. It was a coup. It It was a witch hunt. This was the FBI going after candidate Trump and then President Trump because they just didn't like him. And this story, this narrative has never made any damn sense. For no other reason than two basic facts or a couple basic facts. Number one, the FBI never released any of their information regarding their investigation that involved the Trump campaign and Russia. They never released any of that information until after Trump had already been elected president of the United States. Now, if you're really trying to take somebody out, uh, that's the first thing you don't do. You don't wait until after They've been elected president of the United States. Number two, James Comey, the head of the FBI, obviously did something that very much helped Trump get elected with his ill-fated press conference involving Hillary Clinton's emails 10 days before the election. That's, that's number two. And not only did Trump praise James Comey for doing that, he then rehired James Comey for doing that. So if this was some sort of a coup, a plot, a conspiracy against Donald Trump. It was literally the most incompetent plot in the history 
uh, of human endeavor. Correct. I mean, it's absurd. It doesn't even make any damn sense. It's just flat out ridiculous. And and yet the Trump people have held on to this saying, you just wait. There's going to be indictments. People are going to go to jail. This was all outrageous. And everything we've been ale- alleging is going to be proven. Well, the IG report comes out and it doesn't do that. It doesn't come close to doing that. In fact, it mostly does the opposite. Now, there are some findings of significant uh, mistakes, sloppiness, errors that were made in several aspects of the investigation. You know what that's called? That's called humanity. Correct. That's the nature of human beings, especially when you put anything under a microscope, anything that's this complicated, people are going to make mistakes. But there was no evidence of a of a plot or bias or anything being illegitimate or the the investigation itself not being based on a firm foundation nothing like that you would think that that would be the end of this this is trump's own inspector general this is bill barr's own department of justice this is the report that the trump people have been touting for a very long time it comes up with basically nothing, at least nothing relevant to what they've been claiming. Now, now they're, of course, they're, they're changing the, the subject. They're moving the goalposts dramatically. Now, oh, my gosh, these mistakes, these are the most important and insidious mistakes that have ever been found in the history of investigations. That's all bullcrap, but that's what they need because they need to save face because they were wrong because it was all a damn lie. But now, instead of accepting those, uh, those results, those findings, and moving on, and in an ideal world, apologizing, of course, Trump never does that. Correct. Instead of anything close to that, no, 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 no. They're doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on this. And it's not just Trump. It would be bad enough if it was, if it was Trump. But now the guy who's doing the next investigation, John Durham, who is under the thumb of Bill Barr, who, much like Barr, had a good reputation as somebody who was a straight shooter and someone who may not be part of the Colt 45 insanity that is Donald Trump, he puts out a statement, incredibly troubling, attacking Horowitz's own findings, saying he doesn't agree with them. Bill Barr goes way worse than that. Bill Barr, who has absolutely no right to be doing this is now proactively doing interviews saying not to believe the Horowitz report again from his own department of justice make and and making an allegation that it was actually the Obama administration that was quote unquote spying on the Trump campaign and that they were the ones who were the real danger of democracy in 2016 the Obama administration not the Russian meddling in that particular election. You cannot be serious. And this is the Attorney General of the United States, Bill Barr, clearly doing the bidding, lying, distorting, making crap up in order to create a defense for his king. Trump is a king in this realm. Bill Barr is not our Attorney General. He is the king's personal defense attorney. This is as dangerous as it gets, especially heading in to an election year, which will clearly be the most contentious election in my lifetime, maybe in the modern history or beyond that, of the United States of America. 
and it's just wrong. And, you know, I have proposed on Twitter, and a lot of people like this idea, although I'm sure it's never going to happen, that we've now reached the point where something dramatic has to happen. And on this particular narrative, I think it provides a great opportunity because Barack Obama is being accused by our attorney general of doing something, one, that he didn't do, two, that it would be horrendous, three, in a way that that uh, undermines faith in numerous institutions on purpose, on purpose. Bill Barr's purpose here is to undermine faith in American institutions, institutions that he wants people to believe have it out for Donald Trump that are not to be trusted. And I believe that it is now time for something dramatic to be done in response to this, to try to at least curtail, because it can't be killed now, at least curtail this bogus bullcrap narrative. And I believe the only way to do that at this point is to do something that's pretty unprecedented. I think Barack Obama and George W. Bush need to do a joint interview, hand in hand, arm in arm, figuratively, not literally, saying, uh, folks, look, we've held our fire. Uh, George W. Bush, in particular, has stayed on the sidelines, I think, to his detriment. But the time has come for us to speak out and tell you that this is not true, that we do not have a country where the FBI is out to get the president. We do not have a country where the previous president spied on the Trump campaign. That did not happen. That this all came about because people within the Trump campaign or peripheral to the Trump campaign, Carter Page is hard to define, had interactions that were highly inappropriate with with the Russian government. And that the Russian government meddled in the election on behalf of the Trump campaign. And the Trump campaign on numerous, numerous times went out of their way to facilitate Russian meddling, asking for it publicly, meeting with them privately, lying about that meeting. All along, Trump trying to build a tower in Moscow and lying about it and then getting his personal attorney to lie to Congress about it. This is not made up stuff. This is this is not a del- collusion delusion. This is not uh, some sort of a coup or a hoax or a witch hunt. This really happened. And the only thing I can think of that would have any kind of an impact because it would get people's attention and it would show Americans and the world this is not normal. And in not normal circumstances, we have to do things that are not normal, that we normally wouldn't want to do that normally would seem exceedingly strange and out of place. But Obama and Bush together, in my opinion, in a rational world, would be coming together to say, no, this didn't happen. This is not the way it works. Americans should have faith in our institutions. And going forward, we need to be incredibly diligent about how we're going to handle this next election. Now, I realize there are enormous pitfalls to that uh, proposal I made, which is one of the many reasons why I'm sure it will not happen. Uh, One is that they would have to dodge the impeachment question. And two, they need to make it as non-political as possible, which is difficult going into an election year. But that's why I think it's got to be now. Because once you're deep into an election year, you can't do it because now it becomes overtly political. 
we're, we're almost to that point now. And to me, the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020 is the perfect time before we start into this, this realm of madness that I think we're heading into in the 2020 election for Obama and Bush to say, no, no, let's, let's go back to reality here. Let's have a reality check. This is a fantasy. This did not happen. You're being lied to, and it needs to stop. Because right now, there's no pushback. There's no pushback against Bill Barr from anybody he cares about. There's no pushback in the state-run media. There's no pushback in the Republican Congress. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. And in fact, all he does is get praise for it. He gets praise from the cult, and he gets praise from the, United, the President of the United States of America. And I have to say, and, I, and I, I'm going to just raise this question now, because uh, I want to get into this at a later point in another podcast episode in the future. But there's something that's not adding up to me. I'm a big believer in things needing to add up. And I, I've alluded to this in the past with regard to Trump's obsession in getting Ukraine to look into the real origins of the 2016 meddling and whether Ukraine was really involved in the whole crowd strike thing, this bat crap crazy conspiracy theory, and it never made any damn sense to me. Because I don't believe that Trump is someone who cares that much about the past. He doesn't care that much about history. Trump is a person who looks at the next hurdle for him. And I proposed at the time, I theorized at the time, that this maybe was more about Roger Stone's trial which he was eventually convicted on. And there's no evidence necessarily that that's the case, although that could have been torpedoed by the fact that the Ukrainian uh, heist, one, didn't come to fruition, and two, became very well known and became a public scandal. So there's all sorts of reasons why that may not have played out the way that it could have otherwise, or the way Trump planned for it to play out otherwise. Assuming that that's not right, and it, I'm open to the idea that that's not right, and, and now with the idea that Barr continues to push this, I'm thinking there's something else going on here that we're not aware of. It doesn't make sense to me. The level to which Barr is willing to go on this whole uh, IG report, on the whole origins of the investigation deal— I get that Trump's obsessed with it for whatever reason, and he's doing Trump's bidding. But we're going into really dangerous territory here. There, there are, in my opinion, risking too much for something that is mostly theoretical in value, that is mostly I told you, at best, at best, what does Trump get out of this? Well, see, I told you so. I, I, does, I, does he think that this is going to be the issue in the 2020 campaign and he wants to defuse it? I guess that's theoretically possible, but this is a guy who feels like he already won that. He's made that clear because of the way that Mueller's horrendous testimony went. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I, I mean, come on, he's, he's already declared victory. The collusion delusion is over. So I, I honestly don't think that's it. I don't think that the Democrats are planning a 2020 campaign based upon the Russian investigation. He is perceived as having won, certainly by his fans. So then why are they willing to go so far down the path, go to the mat to such a degree to, to try to attack the origins of this investigation? 
maybe they're just miscalculating. Maybe Trump's emotions really are that invested in this. Those are possible uh, explanations. But my gut tells me there's something else going on, that there's another shoe yet to drop here, and that they are preparing for that shoe to drop, that they need there to be that much distrust of the entire Russian investigation. And that's why, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, Trump's philosophy is always attack, attack, attack. Offense is the best defense. Well, why does he need to do that? There's something yet he still needs to defend. And I don't know what it is exactly. I can't even theorize about what it is, but it just feels like there's got to be something there. There's a piece of this equation that is missing. And in the bigger picture, heading into 2020, which is part of why I would love for Obama and Bush to set the tone for this whole thing, I think we are really in, in a very dangerous situation. And again, I'm sure I'll get into this in future episodes. And I don't want, I'm not a panic master. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm not a, the world's going to fall, uh, you know, chicken little type. But when you have a situation where your attorney general is unwilling to accept the results of his own IG report, and your president of the United States is unwilling to accept the conclusions of his own intelligence agencies with regard to who meddled in the 2016 election and is willing to make up a bat-crap crazy conspiracy theory involving Ukraine and is willing to use U.S. military aid as leverage to get that country to somehow admit that they were really the cause of the 2016 meddling. Uh, you're, you're, you're in bizarro world. You're in a world where facts don't matter, that you are divorced from reality, where you, you are willing and able to just ignore the truth as it obviously is. You just ignore it. And there's been no pushback. He's been able to get away with this constantly. In fact, he's benefited from it. Where you just pretend that 2 plus 2 does not really equal 4. And if you have that attitude, and you've gotten no punishment for that, and we head into an election in which Donald Trump, let's say, loses a it doesn't even have to be that close an election, but a fairly close election. How in the world, how in the world can anyone feel confident that Trump, his attorney general, his administration, the Republicans in Congress, his state-run media, his cult, that any of them, any of them will be willing to accept that he actually lost? Does anybody have confidence in that? And not only, I'm not just talking about a, you know, a formal concession. I'm talking about acting as if he actually did win. And who's going to be the, the entity with any power to tell him he's wrong? Who's in that position? Who has shown that they would be willing to do that other than maybe Mitt Romney, who would be mocked because he's the last Republican who ran for president and he lost. So what the hell does he know? He's just bitter. He's just a never-Trumper. Why would we listen to him? I mean, th obviously this is theoretical, and it's a long way off 11 months. But I now believe we got to be prepared for this scenario because there has not been a shred of evidence, not a shred of evidence, that even the Attorney General of the United States would be willing to say to the president, you know what, uh, you lost, and it's time to go. 
And how that comes to fruition and what happens afterwards, I don't know. But I don't want to know because that is a that is a very dangerous set of circumstances that this country has never contemplated before. I mean, we went through the 2020 election recount that was as contentious as it gets. But eventually we got through that without any sort of major violence and you know we we essentially accepted who our president was. I, I think that there's a good chance that's going to be child's play in comparison to what could happen depending on the circumstances in 2020. And I don't know whether Trump's going to win or lose. I'm not sure at this point which would be the worst scenario. I think Trump losing a close election might theoretically be the worst possible scenario for the country. And I even think he might play off of that. I think he might even try to scare people to that effect. I mean, here I am as anti-Trump as it gets within the conservative community. And even I have contemplated, well, boy, oh boy, that would be the worst. That would be the absolute worst possible uh, set of circumstances. If Trump lost a very close election, because there's no chance in the world that he would give up power under those circumstances based upon what we have seen. And we're seeing it on a consistent basis. And we're, it, everything is so upside down now. You know, I, I was watching some of the uh, congressional hearings today with Horowitz testifying to the Senate Judiciary Committee. And it's Dianne Feinstein now, Democrat Dianne Feinstein from here in California, who is now the defender of the truth when it comes to this stuff. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's just flat out ridiculous. It, 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 I, I cannot wrap my mind around how that could happen. The, the, this person with whom I disagree on everything, who embarrassed herself with the Christine Blasey Ford allegation against uh, Brett Kavanaugh coming in at the last second. I, I, I mean, this is a person who uh, is, is older than dirt. Uh, she's wrong about everything. And here she is, the one standing up for the truth of this uh, matter of the IG report and the origins of the Russian investigation. Everything is upside down. It's Alice in Wonderland. And speaking of, uh, you know, craziness and Alice in Wonderland and, and Trump's delusion, I do want to at least reference some of the things that he said last night in his rally in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Because this is, I think, consistent with a guy who is continuing to push the envelope in ways that previous presidents never would have even contemplated, in a way that is totally consistent with my overall big-picture fears about where we are headed. It's also indication of a guy who feels so restricted by the White House and actually having to pretend that he's president other than his Twitter feed that he just loves getting out in front of the crowd where he can hear the roar of the cult and... Uh, he can basically do his shtick. I mean, that's what this really is. Are you not entertained? But I want to play three clips for you. The first is the President of the United States, speaking of the IG report, the President of the United States is obsessed because this is the only thing that he really has that his cult can look at as evidence. He's obsessed with these texts that were sent between the two FBI agents who were in the midst of a, uh, uh, of a romantic affair. Uh, the woman being Lisa Page. And he went out, once again, he's done this before, but this time he went further. He not only attacked Lisa Page, who again, it's been found by the IG report. There was no bias by the FBI. These people did nothing that was 
remotely uh, inappropriate towards Trump. There was no coup attempt at Trump. There, I mean, you can ha- you can not like somebody and still do an objective investigation. Not that these two were the ones that were all that important to the investigation to begin with, and they were eventually removed uh, from the entire process. But here is the president of the United States, in the words of George Conway, the husband of Kellyanne Conway, slandering, slandering her former boyfriend without any information whatsoever, claiming that she had to get a restraining order against him uh, in, as a result of all of this controversy. controversy. This is remarkable, even by Trump standards. And here's what it sounded la- like last night in Hershey, Pennsylvania. FBI lawyer Lisa Page, so in love that she didn't know what the hell was happening, texted the head of counterintelligence, Peter Strzok, likewise, so in love he couldn't see straight. This poor guy, did I hear he needed a restraining order after this whole thing to keep him away from Lisa? That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. The fake news will never report it. But it could be true. No, that's what I heard. I don't know. I mean, who could believe a thing like that? No, I heard that Peter Strzok needed a restraining order to keep him away from his once lover. Ah, Lisa, I hope you miss him. Lisa, he'll never be the same. If Donald Trump was not president of the United States, if he was just the head of the Trump organization and for some reason made that statement, that would be outrageous. As president of the United States, it's downright scary. Think about what he's doing there. Now, there's, there's no evidence that there was a restraining order, okay? And so he's trying to distract his cult from this IG report that, that essentially exposes everything he's told them about this subject to be a lie for the last two years. And so he's, he wants to, them to focus on these texts. And he says, I've heard there's a restraining order. I don't know. You wouldn't expect the media to tell you about it if it was true. Now, think about the insanity of that. The president of the United States, using the power of his office, an office that people still, at least some people, still trust, he's telling you a lie. And he's providing an explanation for why you will not hear anyone else tell you the same lie. It's because the fake news media won't tell you. I mean, this is... You cannot be serious! It's impossible for me to put in words how insane that is, how dangerous that is. And yet the crowd, they, they eat it all up. I mean... Are you not entertained? He's the president of the United States, allegedly the most powerful man in the world. He's not an entertainer. That's, he's doing shtick and slandering people. People have served this country in, in ways that his own inspector general found to not be corrupt. And he doesn't care. And there'll be no blowback. And the state-run media and the Republicans in Congress will say nothing about this. And speaking of making stuff up, this is, this is classic Trump. Classic Trump making up a story. He does this all the time whenever... He, he doesn't use a name 
whenever the person refers to him as sir, although I don't think he does that in this particular incident, but it's always a man or someone's coming up to him and telling him something. How, by the way, how the hell do these people come up? How do they get access to the president of the United States? I mean, there's all sorts of questions. But here is yet another made-up story that Trump uses to try to claim success that, one, he's not responsible for, and, two, isn't even real. So it's a made-up story with made-up facts about Marriages being saved because Trump has made the stock market go up. Listen to this. Over the last three years, you see the stock market set 131 records from the day. Think of that. And that means jobs. That means 401ks. I have so many people that come up to me. Thank you, sir. My wife is so in love with me because I, I went up 79% in the 401k. She thinks I'm a genius. She always thought I was a total stiff. A dumb, stupid dope. Now she thinks I'm a financial genius, sir. I was wrong. He does use sir. He used sir twice there. I should have listened more carefully to the clip. So now we uh, we already knew this was a lie. This story was made up. But now we're 100% sure this story was made up. There's been a study. The Washington Post, I think it is, that's done a study on when he uses stories involving unnamed people calling him sir. They're always men. They're usually big men. Sometimes they're in tears, but this story is obviously concocted. It's also not based in reality. Of course, the stock market has broken all sorts of records. It's on essentially the same trajectory, although not quite as positive as it was during the Obama administration. So the records he's talking about are it's hitting highs. Well, of course, it's hitting highs because time has passed and it's on an upward trajectory. Percentage wise, the stock market, since he was inaugurated, has not gone up as much as it did during the entire Obama presidency. Now, I don't give Obama credit for that and I don't give Trump credit for that. In fact, I think that the stock market has done a remarkable job in doing that in spite of Trump's tariffs. We've discussed this previously, how his talk about tariffs has constantly manipulated the markets in both a negative and a positive direction. So here he is making up a story. It did not happen based upon a bogus narrative. And of course, his cult, they love it. I love the poorly educated. They just soak it all in. And this is the key state, Pennsylvania. This is the key to his election. And it may be the key to his reelection. And once again, no one will call him on it because it's a fairy tale and nobody that the cult listens to has any incentive to tell you the truth about what really just happened there. And then there's always the, the ultimate Trump M.O. This goes kind of to the offense is the best defense, but it's also uh, do to others what they are accusing you of doing. It's similar to that M.O. as well. When you're being accused of something, Claim it to be not just untrue, but the opposite of true. Trump has learned this a long, long time ago. This is why he's a master liar. And here he is just days after literally being mocked on video by multiple foreign leaders at the NATO conference in London, 
literally just days ago, this didn't happen weeks or months ago, just days ago, got a lot of news coverage. People ought to know this. It's it's on the top of a lot of people's minds. Here, Trump has the audacity to claim the exact opposite with, with regard to the way the United States is now seen since he's become president. I always say, and I've already said it twice tonight, this country is so respected. And we were not respected four years ago. We were laughed at. I mean, imagine having, I almost admire the audacity, the audacity to, to say something like that just a few days after you were, you yourself literally laughed at and mocked by foreign leaders at a NATO conference. But that's Trump and it works for him because it works on his cult. I love the poorly educated. And this has enormous ramifications going forward. It gives him enormous power to do all sorts of corrupt things, which he will continue to do, regardless of how impeachment turns out. Now, in a moment, I'll have a, a few closing thoughts on the political situation, specifically with regard to the Democratic primary, some interesting poll results there as we finish up this episode on the podcast. But first, here's an interview I did with Tom Bauer, the founder of our, of our prime sponsor, Imbue CBD. Tom, thanks so much for joining us and for your sponsorship of the program. Please uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your company, Imbue Botanicals. Sure, John. Imbue Botanicals produces really the most extensive line of premium clinical-grade full-spectrum CBD products, including tinctures, capsules, topical lotions and salves and even award-winning beauty products. They're available in multiple strengths for both people as well as pets. Our premium Colorado-grown hemp products are non-GMO, cruelty-free, and even vegan. Now, a lot of people might not be that familiar yet with CBD. It's getting a lot of publicity, but for those who aren't, what is CBD and why do you guys think it's so important? CBD is short for cannabidiol. It's one of the 115 or so cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant. It's generally accepted as the cannabinoid or, or the element, basically, that provides the health benefits for cannabis. But science has shown really that CBD works best when combined with all the other cannabinoids and the natural terpenes that are found naturally in the plant, which is why our products are full spectrum, meaning they offer a full cadre of the, all the cannabinoids and terpenes for maximum effectiveness. Now, Tom, you mentioned that Imbue uses hemp. Tell our audience, if you will, the difference between hemp and marijuana, and why your product is not the latter. Great, John. It's really important to understand this. You know, we're all familiar with medical marijuana. Our products are, are not made from marijuana. They're actually made from hemp. Basically, hemp and marijuana are both the cannabis sativa plant. The difference is that hemp contains extremely low levels of THC, which is the cannabinoid that makes you high when you ingest or smoke marijuana. By law, hemp must contain 0.3% or less of THC by dry weight. So, so low, basically, that you can't get high from the product. So, in essence, basically, with hemp, you get all the health benefits of medical marijuana without the high or the psychoactive effect of THC. I should also add here that Congress last year passed the 2018 Farm Bill, which essentially legalized hemp federally and descheduled all the non-THC cannabinoids. So essentially, it's, it's, uh, it's legal, which obviously people want to know. Is, you know, can, can I buy it? Can I use it? It's legal. Now, when, when I use it, it's really helped my sleeping. I've only just started using uh, some of your products. But tell us, uh, what are some of the benefits that our listeners might find if they, if they use Imbue Botanical products? 
Really great question, John. We're actually not allowed to make claims about CBD or products per the FDA. Just an aside, if your listeners come across sites out there that are making health claims, we should always just avoid them. Just you don't want to deal with, with folks like that. It's, it's not legal to do that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't health benefits to CBD. We at MBU Botanicals always encourage our customers to do their own research. There is a ton of information and studies available on the Internet. You want to talk to your physician, your independent pharmacist, even your veterinarian. You know, become informed. We've seen some absolutely amazing things personally and with our customers. Obviously, you know, the onus, if you will, is on each individual to to go out there and, and do the kind of research to see if it may be a fit for the kind of things that they're experiencing. Also, you know, check out our website, which has a ton of additional information as well. And that website is? It's www.imbuecbd.com. It's www.imbuecbd.com. Now, you mentioned the FDA, and just before we taped this interview, there was a news story where the FDA put out a warning and sent letters to, I think, 15 different CBD companies. Yours was not one of them. It was perceived as the FDA basically, I don't know, seemed to be like backing away a little bit from CBD. What was your interpretation of what the FDA did and and how should our listeners interpret it? That's an extremely good question as well, John. And I think first and foremost is what the FDA is doing, especially when they're sending out letters to companies that they send letters out to, is doing their job. Their job is to really protect the American public from, you know, basically, you know, drugs that shouldn't be there, that aren't doing what they're supposed to do, that can cause harm, and also making sure that companies are doing what they're supposed to do. In in the case of these letters, these companies were making health claims simply because of how FDA operates and and the way that, uh, you know, CBD, which is basically a kind of a a brand new uh, thing for FDA, they're not allowed to make. You know, I'm glad that they're doing that. You know, we never make claims uh, at Imbue Botanicals. That's something that, that is, again, is, it goes back to the customer to do a lot of their own research on. They also came out with some basic overviews and essentially said you should really know what you're doing before you take CBD. It's not necessarily something you should be taking in water and in food products. You should basically get the kind of information that you need and talk to your healthcare team, your physician, your pharmacist, your, your veterinarian to make sure that there's a medical professional, you know, kind of assisting in the process. Now, in my experience, having used the product and seen the packaging and everything, you guys are totally first class, but first class comes with some expense. You guys are a little bit more expensive than your competitors. Tell us, tell us why you bring more value. We are more expensive than some folks, and Certainly not more expensive than others, but uh, but we're we are a higher price product, and the reason for that is is where we grow, how we extract, how we formulate our products. We do that for maximum effectiveness, and you know what our folks tell us, and whether they're the pharmacies that we sell to or the customers that use our product, or patients who use our product every day, they tell us that the product works and works better than things that uh, other products that they bought. It's more expensive to do it correctly, but ultimately that's obviously what customers want. If you're going to spend the money, they want something that works, and that's what our products do. So, Tom, if our listeners want to buy your products or learn more about them, where should they go? Go to our website. It's www.imbuecbd. That's www.imbuecbd.com, imbuecbd.com. Tom, thanks so much for your time and your sponsorship. John, thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it. There was an interesting political poll out just yesterday by Quinnipiac, 
which is an organization, a university that I used to work for. I briefly worked for the Quinnipiac University Polling Institute, and they're pretty good. Uh, you know, they're they're mostly liberal, but uh, in general, they're they've got a pretty decent track record. And this poll had a lot of very interesting results that I wanted to share with you in our final moments. First, they uh, have a result that indicates that now 51 percent of the American people oppose Donald Trump's impeachment. Oppose. That's a, a number that's much higher than it has been in recent weeks. I don't know whether or not that number is reliable, uh, but it is an, an, a number that indicates an increase in the uh, opposition to impeachment. <clears throat> it is not that surprising to me because I think it's just an indication people have forgotten what the evidence was and they've gotten bored with the story. And, you know, I, that's about what I would have figured uh, impeachment to be 50 50 on either side. Now, and, and depending on their, your poll, you can find a poll that's going to find people that are more against it than favor of it. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, impeachment is going to be a political wash, but it is possible that it could end up uh, end up hurting Democrats and helping Republicans, at least based upon this poll result. As far as Trump versus Democrats, I'm always looking at, OK, how is he doing against Joe Biden? And these Joe Biden numbers were fascinating. The overall number is not that surprising. Biden leads head to head against Trump 51 to 42, nine points. That's about normal for a Biden versus Trump head to head matchup. Nine points is enough to ensure victory in the Electoral College. If you get into the five or six point range, Trump could still win nine points. Trump can't overcome that. Whether that, that would hold up over the next 11 months, who the hell knows? But what's really fascinating by, about these results is that among men, Trump actually leads Biden by nine points, 51-42. Among women, Biden leads Trump 60-34. to 60-34 to 34 among women. That is the largest... Uh, uh, gender divide that I have ever seen in a race between two men that are that's fairly close. I mean, Trump up by nine among men, Biden leading by 26 among women. On the Democratic side of things, Biden leads by 12 points nationwide. He's got 29 percent. Sanders is at 17. That's Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren's 15 percent. Pete Buttigieg is 9 percent. Mayor Bloomberg, former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, now at 5 percent. So he's showing up based upon all the millions of dollars he's spending on advertising. Those are the by far the top five contenders. That's pretty solid position for Biden, assuming he can get through Iowa and New Hampshire okay. I still have worries as to how high he can get that percentage, whether he might be blocked at somewhere in the 40s or 50s. We don't know that yet. But here's the really fascinating part about those numbers. And this is staggering. This might be more staggering than the gender divide between Biden and Trump. Talk about the uh, <clears throat> the youth versus uh, older voter divide. Th this is remarkable. People under 35 in this poll. 52% of them support Bernie Sanders. 52% support Bernie Sanders if you're under 35. Only 11% of those under 35 support Joe Biden. If you're over 65, over 65, talk about a generational divide. 
Joe Biden gets 47% of the support of those over 65. Bernie Sanders, only 2%. That's staggering. That's dangerous. Now, these are Democratic voters, but the difference between over 35, over, uh, over 65 voters and under 35 voters is just mind-blowing. And it indicates just how socialistic young Democrats are. And you got to remember... What's really interesting about this this age divide, it's somewhat like the gender divide with Trump and Biden. You've got two men there, so in theory there shouldn't be a massive gender divide. But with regard to Biden and Sanders, you got two old white guys. So what would be the source of this massive generational divide? Well, I think it deals mostly with capitalism versus socialism. Over Older people over 65 are still mostly capitalists. People under 35 are now socialists, and that is seen in dramatic fashion in those poll results. Speaking of poll results or percentages, as is always the case, we finish each episode of the Individual One podcast with an updated look at whether or not Trump will finish his first term in office and whether or not he'll be reelected. The current number, please, again, no wagering for Trump not to finish his first term in office is 8%. And I am now putting his number of re-election percentage at 42%. That's a 42% chance that Donald Trump will be re-elected president of the United States. That'll do it for this edition of the Individual One Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's Individual the Number One Pod. Until next time, my name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network. 